0: Welcome to Multiple Offers, a real estate show with competing perspectives. Today we are talking about alternate lending. Put that coffee down. If you're good at something, never do it for free. How'd you get the gig?
1: Oh, you know, they were hiring. It was only a two-week course.
0: I will sell this house today. What are you, some kind of real estate agent?
2: Oh, he's a realtor.
3: There is a difference somehow.
0: This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. All right, guys. It is episode 28 of Multiple Offers. It is Halloween Day on the day that we are recording this. So hopefully when you are listening to this, you are full of your children's candy. And we have a very special guest, our first returning guest, uh, Stephanie Barrett. Welcome back to the show.
2: Well, thanks for having me.
0: I believe you were our first ever guest. It's Mm -hmm. true. Yeah. So it makes yeah. sense that you would be the first uh, uh, returning guest as well. Happy to have you back. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Steph is a fantastic mortgage broker with M- Mortgage Alliance. Oh, Jeff. Oh. Did I get it wrong? Dad, you did this last time. Why do I always think you're with mortgage? Home no. Architects. What is your... No, you're keep going. So close. You're just <laughs> Stephanie Barrett to me, mortgage broker to the stars.
2: Well, I'm with Mortgage Architects. Architects.
0: Yeah. What did I say?
2: Mortgage Alliance, then Home...
0: Architects. Architect
3: Architect Home. I did
0: get... I got Architects. That was pretty gross. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, if you don't know, uh, Stephanie is a fantastic mortgage broker. The first time we had her on the show, uh, we were discussing mortgages in general. Matt, what episode is that?
3: Episode six, Show Me the Money with Stephanie Barrett.
0: Yeah, which is one of our most listened to episodes of all time. So if you want to hear the general stuff, uh, today we're going to get into all sorts of things with alternate lending in a little bit. Um, and I think Matt and Jer probably have some other questions for Steph. Uh, but before we get into that, what's going on, Jer? You're, you, those the audience can't see, but you are dressed up. Are you a llama? It's a pug costume. I <laughs> Got it from Metro Town. Okay. Um, it's extremely hot. <laughs> yeah, uh, You wouldn't think your commitment to this bit. You for wouldn't radio. think that head to toe <laughs> fleece
3: would be warm indoors.
1: It's a it's a fuzzy fleece thing. Uh, it's a pug. It has a tail. Uh, it has googly eyes, which the the little baby Rosie loves. Um, Your baby. It confuses people's dogs. My baby. Yeah. Okay. Um, all sorts of dogs. Just they, Your dog? It looks so lifelike and realistic. Um
3: that they just they think I'm a real dog. You get any high place. fives walking down the street as an adult wearing a costume?
1: No, but I was having a donair for lunch
3: at the new Doner shop. Oh, well, that's deadly in a costume. Um
1: <laughs> Yeah, no, it was it was very well composed, well wrapped, double bagged the donair, grilled the donair. Um it was really good. and like a curried lentil soup. Um, but also there were some of the other patrons that came and were in wearing costumes too, so I wasn't kind of this weird weirdo. I guess Halloween <laughs> you can't be weird wearing a costume. It's the one day you can't.
0: It's it's your day to You're be allowed. Weird. So I have Th- been rocking This is this. the new Donair shop right up by uh, by the River's Reach and seven eleven. Yeah.
3: Under new ownership. Exchange. Under new ownership
0: and uh night and day difference. Way better than way the last one? Way better. Okay. Did they get rid of that frowny face sign when you entered <laughs> that the old shop had? <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't
1: know. But it's worth a shot if you're in New West, go go check it out. Huh,
0: very cool. Steph, what's going on with you?
2: Not a heck of a lot. Just, yeah. Uh, yeah. I had, like I said, training this morning for new mortgage software. That's always exciting. <laughs> is time. it wicked awesome? It's actually <laughs> really good. It's going to actually allow clients to go right into their portal and upload their documents securely directly instead of emailing or faxing or having to scan. Yeah. It's just a, it's a, a little more secure. Is that
1: something what that you makes, have, like, for your clients, or is that, like, every mortgage broker has it? Is it, like, a. Um, everyone with every mortgage, mortgage, mortgage. mortgage Alliance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Percatex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're pumping the wrong company.
0: <laughs> Somebody at Mortgage Alliance is just like, yes. Oh, they're loving it. Are they yeah, even, but... Is that even a company? It is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> to go, what was it called? It's called, uh, your new program you were telling us about before you we started recording is High Velocity.
2: No, it's just called velocity. Velocity. Yeah. When you
0: said you were doing velocity training, I totally thought it was like a workout. Yeah, I thing. wish, but no. <laughs> yeah, no, <and> software. Yeah, <laughs> always good times. <laughs> Maybe less exciting. Than a lot I less was, exciting, yeah. but
2: will will definitely help streamline things in the long run. Uh, more for my assistant than me, I think. Jennifer's loving it, but uh, yeah, it's pretty. Skookum system. <laughs> so the
1: clients can upload their, like, I need your T4s or T4As. Am I saying that right? T- yeah, T4s yeah. or T4As. They can um, put them
2: right into the system. And it actually is also going to have a link. And I, I, this will be the next round of training where I can even, with authorization, go into um, or help a client go right into their bank account right through the system and upload bank statements and that kind of thing. That's amazing. Yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. So I so don't have to give you
3: my bank password this time?
2: Well, I'll still keep that, Matt.
1: Branch,
3: secret secret code. And everything.
1: So you don't have to, people don't have to email you, email Jennifer, ask for an update. And you're like, well, I still don't have your documents. Like, what do you mean? Right. And then they're searching for emails instead. They log in and they can see that. Now, yeah. the, now they're going to be like, I can't figure out how to upload the documents. <laughs> Probably.
2: <laughs> or still not understanding what three months means. That seems to be a challenge for many. Why no. do you
0: need a letter of employment? I told you I was employed. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> fortunately
2: jennifer gets those questions <laughs>
0: oh jennifer's the buffer
2: she's the buffer she's the good cop yeah oh, okay yeah
0: you're bad cop
2: i'm bad cop when i have to call you to say we need your job letter now you know it's really
0: serious when, when oh. okay matt's my bad cop <laughs> I, th- I believe that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I really believe that. You get the f-
1: yeah. first couple dealings with me, and you know if you see Matt, you've done something wrong.
0: <laughs> You're like, oh, they want a price reduction. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Here comes. Matt, what's been going on with you other than being bad cop?
3: Yeah, uh, I'm going to get a little serious for a few minutes because oh. I got a reminder today, October 31st, that tomorrow starts the, the Movember campaign. Which has okay. kind of fizzled for the last few years.
0: Yeah, that was really big for a while, and it's just sort of... Yeah, and I, we, we had, we had one
3: it. strong year as an office where we did a really good job with it, and... Before
0: uh, you get fear can I tell you that <laughs> the, the one strong year we had in the office, I, I came back to the office late at night, and I hear giggling. And it's uh, Jay Hazelwood, who's been on the show, and Jeremy with uh, <laughs> Just For Men... And they're dyeing their mustaches because they both have light hair and they thought they weren't growing in. That never happened. Yeah, yeah, that definitely happened. No. Folks at home don't believe the lies. <laughs> it's a lot of lies around the table today. Which is yeah. funny because
3: looking at you now, you have a it's, very full mustache. It is very little, blonde.
1: It's a little orangey, yeah. yeah
3: he just little. had a hard time. It was like seven, eight days in and he was just feeling like he needed a little awesome. more progress. Yeah. I feel like Matt would have a
0: hard time.
3: Matt's a very blonde human being. My mustache looked pretty good by the end of the month. Yeah. The first week is a, is a tough ride. Hmm. It's a tough ride. But anyway, I'm th- I was thinking about it and I don't like asking people for money. I don't like fundraising that way. Okay. And I don't like it, but... The topic hits a little close to home. Last year, I couldn't quite get my head around it, but I am going to just bring it out on the radio that a colleague of ours, unfortunately... but unfortunately, a colleague of ours, Roland Kalfus, uh, he took his own life a- over a year ago. And so it does hit home. To hit home, He's a guy I have a ton of respect for personally and professionally. And I look at that and I, I wonder what, where and how can I make a difference? And I don't like asking people for money and campaigning this way online. So my campaign for the month of November is just that I'm not a psychologist. I don't know what to do. But for people who, anyone who thinks they have somebody who thinks they need help, don't say to them, ask for help or do anything. Just say something nice. Just say, Jeff. I love being around you. You're a great guy to have around me. And maybe if you want to start a conversation, say, hey, Jeff, what makes you happy these days? Yeah. So what's going on? What makes you happy these days, Jeff?
0: Oh, well, you got me all uh, <laughs> all thinking thinking big <laughs> thoughts. Although the one nice thing, I mean, Roland was a big part of our Movember campaign. And and when I was a kid, he was a big part of fundraising, all sorts of fundraising. Him and my dad and some of the older guys at the office used to do a ton of Big charity fundraising work. He was,
3: and he's not the kind of guy. He's for me personally. I knew him for a number of years. Never knew that he was fa- he was fighting depression yeah. and other challenges. So we never really know, and that's why all I can do is someone is just say to the people around me, "You're you're not a burden, you know. I'm happy having you around, and and I want to hear the happy thoughts that are in your head because everybody's got some somewhere, right? So that's me throwing to you, Jeff. Okay. It makes you happy these days? Well,
0: I I, I am pretty happy. Um, so when I first started using video in my marketing the first thing i did was a company called BombBomb Bomb puts together a list of who they call the most influential uh realtors in in video and they they picked like something like i think when i first looked there were like 25 people on the list and when i was trying to figure out ideas on how to do video and stuff i got a hold of that list and i started watching all those guys' stuff because i'm like okay well these are the guys who are doing well at it um they are releasing their list tomorrow, and uh, they sent me an email that I'm on the list. <laughs> so I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, that's a nice affirmation. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I, I'm very excited about that. So that that is definitely something that's uh, making me happy right now. In response to your your question, yeah, um, yeah and I don't uh, I don't know any more info. Other than that, at the moment, they just sent me an email being like, hey, we need to check that all these links are right. And I was like, why? And they're like, oh, we're putting you in our video influencer guide. And I was like, holy moly. Is there going to be a party? I I would imagine there has to be a huge party um, at, at my house, maybe. <laughs> You're definitely going to have to host it. Yeah.
3: <laughs> you should video it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: There there we go. That's that's thinking. So um, maybe enough of that nonsense. Um before we get into uh, the really sexy topic of alternate lending, uh, what do we got for the news, Matt?
1: I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen.
3: I got a news flash
0: for you, Walter Cronkite. I am enlightened. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show.
3: Today's news is last week's news. We mentioned it in the last episode <laughs> that the news was the Bank of Canada announced a rate increase. Um, I could quote a number of news outlets, but virtually every one of them wanted to quote it because it's it's national news. Uh, so I'm going to look to Stephanie to help us uh, get the some of the information right on the news. So the announcement came. So the Bank of Canada announces a rate increase, and that increase is in what amount?
2: A uh, quarter point, so 0.25 of 1%.
3: Okay, and when does that take effect?
2: It took effect last week. Um, that said, every lender could choose their prime rate increase when they choose, but of course, most of the time they enact that right away, which they did.
3: They did, like the day after? Yeah. Okay, so the, so most, most every lender enacts that the day after. And what about rate holds? So some people have come to you for a pre-approval. You've got a lender who's given them a rate hold.
2: Uh, yeah, that's usually on a fixed rate though. So you can't hold a product per se. So, um, uh, the variable rate, which is what's affected by an overnight rate increase, that is going to change. Of course, anyway, a variable is just that it varies based on what the overnight or prime rate is. What? The rate holds are based on <laughs> fixed rates, Wait which are second. actually <laughs> different. <laughs>
3: So when could we expect to see fixed rates change? Uh,
2: Well, there's a couple of specials. Scotia's had a really good special out for the last uh, about two months. Technically, that's coming to an end at 9 Pacific time, midnight Eastern. So any deals... Tonight? Tonight. Um, So if you're listening to this, it's too late. It's too late. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But they're they're just going to go to what the rates are that everyone else has already gone up to. Um fixed rates aren't necessarily tied to the overnight rate, so it's hard to say they, they will always move in sync. Okay. Um,
1: Does it is that typical though, if you do see like within a few months perhaps maybe the, the even fixed. Even shorter rates time. And but they're so they're, they're both tied to the things, economy. Right?
2: Yeah, yeah, but not necessarily tied to each other. So fixed rates are based on the bond market. So that's the bonds have been getting stronger and going up, of course, so then fixed rates are gonna I, go up along with I've
1: got it. oh Jeff, did you have a question? Go for it. Okay, I have a question. It's a quick, two quick, two parter. Um, oh, I didn't agree to two questions, <laughs> do you guys, Part one: Do you guys do the, the mortgage professionals? Do you guys call them Bach Bank of Canada?
2: Uh, is there no? I They're haven't, like, oh, but Bach, we could start that. Bach done it again. <laughs> yep. If you want to trademark that I'm term, so Jeremy. glad I let you go
3: first, <laughs> okay.
1: and uh, and then another question is: Do you ever see? Are there ever any like deals for people that just did like, okay, if you if you lock in, we want you to lock in. So I'm already with Scotia, I'm variable and all of a sudden like, oh, that must suck that the variable just went up and like all these variable people might want to lock in if it was significant enough. And I'm not saying I would do that, but if somebody did, did, they ever, did they, is there ever like a special product for those people coming from one of their variables? Not necessarily. Or, or no, no. You're, you're
0: just they're screwed. always
2: going to base it on um, on the client. So they're going to look at what they think that they want to offer you. One thing when you're with a variable that I, and I do generally discuss this up front when we're choosing the product and the lender for the client, if you're with a monoline that doesn't have posted rates, you're generally going to get their best rate at conversion. So if you're on a variable and you're locking in, if you're with a lender that doesn't have posted rates, there's really not as much negotiating room there. Mm. If you're with a lender, like a bank, a chartered bank or credit union, their posted rates, which nobody really takes. Um, there's quite a lot of room to negotiate. So you don't know what you're going to be offered because there's so much more wiggle room that that lender
0: has. Okay. So historically, when the Bank uh, of Canada announces a rate increase, I know it doesn't affect the fixed uh, mortgages yet. Do you see a rush on applications for people trying to get get a rate locked in before things have changed usually?
2: This particular time, yes. And I think it's because the announcement came with um, some...
0: There's a lot of news around this Yeah,
2: and there was a lot more certainty that there's going to be further increases coming. Though there has been for the last year or so, I think this time it was definitely more definitive that we're going to see another increase very shortly and then another one probably sooner after that. So more people are rushing. That said, with my client base, they all know most of them know, to call me first, email me, and then we can chat about it because it's not necessarily the right move for everybody, right? Follow-up
0: question. I'm on a variable.
3: (gasps) Me too. Me too. That's my
0: question. Should I lock in? (laughs)
2: I can't answer that without reviewing your file, Jeff. We have to chat uh-huh. about it. Let's get into it.
0: He's, he's got some pap- papers beside him. So for our listeners... We actually... You, this whole episode is just a trick to actually, get some free advice. To be honest, I
2: wouldn't answer you yes or
3: no anyway. I know. That's why I asked. Because I'm damned if I do and damned if I don't. Can, can you give our listeners who are on variable and are anxious just uh, some basic frameworks? Like, like what should they be considering? Should they just... All of them just be calling their mortgage broker or representative and say, give me some advice or couple, one or two good questions they could ask their advisor?
2: Yeah, I think and anybody, I'm assuming most mortgage brokers would probably feel the same. Um, it's really a personality profile. Uh, someone who's in a variable, it's the same as investing, so right? So Matt should
0: lock in. <laughs> but Jeremy maybe shouldn't. I live life saying. on the edge. I, the
1: edge, yeah. I love the variableness <laughs> of, of the variable. Up but and down. some
2: clients, if you're, it's the same as investing, right? Some people are, are a little more uh, risk averse and Maybe shouldn't have been in the variable to begin with, and, and that's where you kind of have to do your homework in the beginning. Those clients, maybe, if you're going to spend your, your life stressed out about your variable interest rate, maybe not the best product to begin with. Um, and the same as investing. You're, some people go into higher-risk mutual fund. Some go into less. It's all a personality profile.
3: Hmm. One question they could ask their, their advisors or broker, what should they ask? Oh, Steph avoided your question.
2: <laughs> One question they should Expert ask. Expert move, Steph.
1: Do you have high intensity?
2: Well, one thing they could, yeah. <laughs> one thing they could maybe ask about is you know have a threshold. So yeah. say, okay, here's where I'm willing to go up to on a, on a mortgage payment per month. What does the interest rate have to get to before I'm at that? And then that might oh, be. Oh, that's good, a good.
3: Way that to think sounds about. like a really good way of framing the question to get a good answer. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, um, so these Bank of Canada rate announcements come. They always seem to... I always tell people, I'm like, I don't know if they're actually going to make an announcement to change the rate or whatever it is. First question, how frequently did these decision-makers meet?
2: I think in 2018, they're scheduled for eight meetings.
3: You're talking about Bach? Bach, yeah. Bok. Eight meetings? Boc. I thought it was, like, every quarter, maybe, but...
2: Nope, they meet more frequently. So, than
3: potentially, that. if they wanted to, now, I'm, no, of course, this would probably never happen, but they could make eight rate increase announcements. Every meeting could come with an or with a rate increase or decrease or yes. decrease, of course. Yep. <laughs> sure, could go if they both ways. To.
2: I don't think it's ever happened, not yeah. that I'm aware of. Unless well, yeah. the guy
3: downstairs yeah. Matt is South
0: demonstrating does. the personality type
3: <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so but they have the authority to make the change every meeting if they choose to do so. So then, in your experience, is it every third or fourth meeting they make an announcement? Is it just you never really know?
2: There's no way to predict, and we actually went for a little over five years without a change at all. So five years of eight meetings a year, no changes. So,
3: And then we see in- predictions where people say, this time we think the Bank of Canada will increase it. And then they don't. And then they make another prediction. I think they will. So there's never really any solid way of knowing it's coming. You're just making your own sort of there's, guesses on the economy. There's some
1: factors though, right? Like what's going on with the economy, inflation, people working.
2: Yeah. They're going to look at all, uh, quite a, a range of different GDP, economic factors. If you so will. exactly, you know, job numbers are a big one. Mm. But the main thing with with the overnight rate is inflation. There's always this balancing act and this teeter totter, right? The key inflation, the target rate is about two percent. So they have to always look at that and how close are we there? So it's always going to be based on a, a, quite a number of different economic factors before they make the decision. Mm. Uh, and that's why it's sometimes harder to predict. It's not like a bond market where it's 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 tied to the markets. Fixed rates are tied to something. The overnight rate is the bank account. What they feel like decision. for the direction they yeah. want to go. Lock,
1: lock, yeah. classic.
0: Did, <laughs> did Jeremy just make this up on um, the spot, and did. now we're running with it? Is that what's happening? <laughs> we'll see if it catches on.
2: If I start hearing it at industry of industry events, I'll I'm let craving you know Chinese that. food all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
3: well, we're totally geeking out on interest rates. Uh, I'm really curious to learn about alternative lending, so let's let's talk a little more about that.
0: <laughs> now you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. You decide your own level of involvement. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to agree to disagree. I don't agree to that.
3: Neither do I. Wrong. National debt. Wrong. You are wrong advocated. Wrong.
0: And without money. Wrong. Lost. But, but, wrong. wrong.
3: Very nice words, but happens to be wrong. You're listening to Multiple Offers, a real estate show.
0: So, it is main topic time. And uh, the reason we're talking about this actually is uh, I saw Steph uh, a few weeks ago and said, "Oh, we'd love to come on and have you back on the show." Matt's been pushing it for a long time. We gotta get Steph back. We gotta get Steph back. And and when I asked Steph to come back on the show, she immediately was like, "I want to talk about alternative lending." Um, so. Matt, Jar, and I probably have no idea how this is going to go. Um, so why don't, Steph, if you want to just give us an all, uh, a little background on why this is a, a hot topic right now, like, let's start off with, so wh- how do we define alternative lending?
2: Well, it's basically anything that steps outside of the traditional lending parameters. So the banks and credit unions and what we call it, A-lenders, they are governed by the federal government. So OSFI controls the lending guidelines and parameters to what those institutions can lend on. And those parameters over the last number of years have become more and more and more strict, increasing restrictions on on what they can do. So it's really forcing a lot of borrowers to, if they want to buy or they're wanting to refinance or do things. Sometimes they're now more than ever having to step outside of those A lending guidelines because they just don't fit anymore.
0: Are the do the credit unions fall under the A lenders?
2: I would say yes, they most of them do have a, a B component to them.
0: Cuz they don't they don't have to follow all of the rules that not the, not the, the federal, federal do, rules. Right.
2: Correct. They're right. not governed by OSFI, which yeah throw out these wonderful mm-hmm. terms, is the Office of the Superintendent of Financial Institutions. So that is the okay. federal government. Um, are they
3: related to BOC?
2: <laughs> um, in that they're federal, yes. Okay. Yeah. Hey, cool. Uh, I think you guys <laughs>
3: think that this is so much funnier than it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just trying to get my hooks in, Jeff.
2: But the uh, the credit <laughs> unions are actually provincially regulated, so they're not governed by OSFI. That said, and I don't know if it's ever been confirmed, so I'll throw it a rumour, um, when the new stress test guidelines were imposed January 1 of 2018, the, the credit unions didn't technically have to follow those guidelines. What I've heard, however, is that CMHC, which of course is federal, um, kind of threatened them in a way and said, you guys either start lending based on the parameters that we've set out, or we're going to pull your CMHC access. So, even though it's Whoa, not quite being announced That's and, quite the hot gossip <laughs> it is
0: gossip and you have
2: no way to confirm it so i couldn't you heard it here first delicious. folks <laughs> yeah. but it is kind of forcing some of the credit unions to maybe so there's a lot of pressure up. yeah yeah hmm. i think the the fear was and and this was certainly on, on the mortgage broker side when we did hear that the credit unions wouldn't have to necessarily follow it we thought okay great we'll at least still have those credit unions to go to but they're really um they're really not that much Right.
3: Than I the guess there's some fear that everybody would flock there, yep. right? And then so the, the premise of having the, these protection measures in place, they, they lose all effect because the people who need the protection aren't yeah. getting it. They're,
1: it levels the playing field yeah. a bit too, right, yeah. for them.
2: Well, not to mention the credit unions too, they're accountable to their shareholders, which is everybody who who is a membership at that credit union. So now all of a sudden you're getting people that don't qualify at the banks all coming to you. Are those the A clients that you really, really want constantly be lending to? Yeah, so you have a more
3: high-risk portfolio
0: overall, right? Which is not what you want. So when we're talking about these alternate lenders, who are these guys? Like, is this a dude in a van? (laughs) (laughs) Is Sharon an alternate lender?
2: (laughs) So alternate lenders can be actually, some of them are actually OSFI regulated, Um, So just as an example, Canadian Western Bank, we all know that's an A lender. They actually have an alternate side, which is called optimum mortgages. The difference is, is their lending parameters that were approved by OSFI are a little more um, lenient. So OSFI already approved that they can lend in this direction. So for instance, where the banks can go to a maximum debt service ratio of 44%, optimum can go up to 50%. And they can use some different means and documentation to support the income than, say, the banks can. Hmm. Just because their lending parameters that were approved were already a little bit more uh
0: And how did do, do they get special treatment? Like, did they?
2: This is going back a few years. All yeah. of the banks were basically told by the government, you have to, on your own, come up with what your lending guidelines are going to be submit those to us and we'll kind of rubber stamp it and say yes or no. But if you step outside of what the lending guidelines are that you've laid out now, apparently the CEOs can even be personally liable. So the banks are very, very um, hesitant to go outside of what their lending guidelines are. Whereas with places like Optimum, Home Trust, some of these, what we call B lenders, they've already told the government, here's how we're going to lend. We're going to increase the interest rate to offset our risk um, but once they've been approved to lend in that way, they're actually allowed to
0: so what What does this mean for your clients like if i'm if I'm right on the edge and I'm having trouble with an a lender how how much better of a mortgage can I qualify for if i go if I go down this alternate route?
2: Well, if you're uh it depends on the circumstances of that borrower. So if it's a credit issue, yeah, uh, that might be one thing. If it's proving income, so someone who's maybe self-employed, like I'm a server at a restaurant. server and or... you get lots of tips, we can yeah. actually look at bank statements and total up the tips that aren't showing on your tax return Cuz the banks hate that. They're not a fan of it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's some of those types Neither of is things. CRA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's some alternative ways that we can we can establish what that borrower's actual income is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of in that B space. Um, they're going to be a little more restrictive in terms of how high of a mortgage they're going to give you. They're not going to be able to go up to 95% of the value into a high ratio space. But there's a little more, more leniency there. And then, of course, further on down the line from that are your private lenders. And those are the and guys, that is the, guys, the guy in the van.
0: van. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I knew he was coming. <laughs> well, there's
2: some that are individuals um, that will yeah. lend their own money, but then there's also what's called mortgage investment corporations or MIX. Um, and they're actually a conglomeration of a whole bunch of different investors. You can put in you've got fifty thousand dollars you want to put in. Mm-hmm. You can't necessarily get a lot of business just lending that out, but you put that into a mortgage investment corporation. They clump
0: you together with exactly. some other investors, similar to yeah. like
2: a mutual fund, and then you'll get your profits out of that. So that's another space that is even a little further down the line than the B lenders because they're not governed by the government, or right. not restricted. They just price based on what they see as risk.
3: And how many fingers and toes you have? Well, <laughs> actually, you
2: know, in a lot of cases right see, now... This is your
3: second mortgage. Yeah. <laughs>
2: in a lot of cases right now, they're, um, I've actually seen rates come down with the private lenders, I mean, compared to what the A rates and B rates are. Um, than what they were a few years ago, at hmm. least in the ones that I'm, I'm working with, um, because there's so many people that would have fit into the A space a few years ago that can't. That doesn't mean that they're high risk. That's, and these private the lenders can see though? that because of the stress yeah. test, because of the clawbacks on um, equity lending. So it used to be, if you had a certain amount of equity in a property, you could still right. get in the A space. Now mm-hmm. it's not based on equity at all. It's 100% on income.
0: So... What percentage would you say, like, what percentage of your clients are still going down the A lender route versus the alternative stuff, just roughly?
2: Yeah, certainly more now than ever. So as a broker, about 15 years, I'm probably doing more B and private lending in the last year since January than I've ever done. Um, I would say one or two in 10 Okay. Probably, and for the first time ever, which is I think what started this whole conversation. So, mortgage architects. I'm sure mortgage. I've Alliance never does heard. It too, I've, I've never heard <laughs> of these
0: <laughs> guys. Oh, these guys. <laughs>
2: they will send out uh, a list of of the lenders that mortgage brokers in our company have tended to use the most. And for the first time ever, private lenders have cracked the top ten.
3: Whoa.
0: Wow. Oh. Huh. So you've got like. What are, is it? The big five bank? How many banks are there that would be in the top? Well, space?
2: not all of them work with brokers, so it's just broker lenders right. that they're referring to. But that's a that's a pretty good indicator yeah. of how many it, people out there in in society are having to look at alternate means. It's
1: an interesting shift because this was, I mean, they're called you know alternative lenders because it was like a worst case scenario. This isn't working out for you in in with these regular banks. So here's an option we could go, and there's always some sort of caveat or some sort of it's going to be this or that, but. But now, I mean, with stress tests, I can just think of somebody, you might have someone in a townhouse and they just want to make that, just one jump to a detached house and they'll be good. And th- if they weren't stress test, they would be they would be able to service that mortgage. They know they're going to be putting a, a student or a, put a basement suite in, which is going to cover it. So they're, they're yeah. fine with the payment, but it's allowing them just to borrow enough to get to that point. Yeah. Which, so it's not necessarily alternative other than just a different way And of that's
2: a good example. I actually have a client doing that right now. They're going to be buying a home that doesn't have a suite already in it. So we're doing a one-year term with an alternative lender. The rate's a bit higher, and there's a, a fee that's associated as well, a lender fee. But because there's just a one-year term, in that year, they're going to put in the basement suite. And that will, presuming there's no more regulatory changes coming down, that will then, we've already worked out the numbers, be able to get them back into the A space.
3: So, that's cool. so that gives people a lot of so sort of some flexibility and options and working with that. So if, there, if someone's hearing that and thinking, oh, maybe this is something I should consider, what are you experiencing as a, the difference between the rates? So if somebody's used to, and, and I know obviously every rate's going to be different, mm-hmm. every client is different, but as a, as a general sort of rough idea, if you're hearing 4% from an A lender, what should you expect to see from a B lender?
2: Well, right now, the one that I, I'm just referring to, um, so a five-year term right now at the bank's, well, until midnight at least, is about 3.64 to 3.74. Um, this deal I'm just getting approved on a one-year term is at 4.05 with a half a point lender fee. So it's definitely a little bit higher, but for a lot of clients, it's their their bridge, right? They know that this is going to cost them a little bit more. The, the risk is there for the lender, so they have to price based on risk. But after that year is over, now they're going to be back to the A side. There's other people that are going to have to be longer, so they, you know, we look at maybe a two-year term in the in the B lender or something. Until there's always has to be an exit strategy. I think is what I'm getting at. You don't want someone ultimately so you, to you be. You in don't the B side date forever. an
0: alternate lender long term. Correct. Okay. Don't, don't marry yeah. a don't B lender. Don't bring home the alternate <laughs> lender to mom, <laughs> this
3: is what I'm hearing. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: a good analogy. We'll go with that one.
3: Here yeah. for a good time. Not hey. a and, hey. and
2: actually, the alternate lender, they're yeah. short-term too. They want to see, and part of my responsibility as a broker, when I'm submitting that file, I should be detailing the exit strategy for that client, especially right. the private lenders. They don't want their money out for five years with one client. They want to be able to turn that over faster. So if I don't include an exit strategy, that's actually more likely to have the deal declined even by a private oh. lender. If there's no way that client's ever going to be able to get out of that.
1: It's exciting stuff.
3: So uh, tour, so, uh, is, would th- would a three year term with a B lender be long?
2: Uh, I don't do a lot of them. It doesn't mean that they don't exist, but it... it that
3: would be considered yeah. long though. So one or two-year. I do two a lot year. of one-year, yeah. Okay. So on the one-year, it sounds like you're talking about a roughly 0.4% difference. What about a two-year? Is it any different? Not
2: a huge difference. About the same? Roughly yeah. the same? Okay. For some people, though, and here's another example, someone who... Um, well, one recently is a, a nurse. So she's just started out as a nurse. She's actually working two part-time positions instead of one full-time position. Well, unless you're guaranteed hours, you need a two year average of that income to be able to qualify with an A lender. Right. So we're doing a two year for her because we know in two years it's going to be a different picture.
3: Right. She'll have a more complete employment picture and then a lot more attractive to the A lenders. Any other thoughts or questions on alternative lending? No, I mean this this is all this is all pretty new to
0: me. Very new. I, I, I knew that what you were talking about, about groups getting together to invest money into mortgages existed because those guys came to our office one time and pitched us as a way to invest our money in that. Mm -hmm. But that was the end of my knowledge of it, was that kind of aware in my headspace that it existed sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I, and I guess because our clients often don't tell us, the specifics of their mortgage details, usually they just say, yeah, Steph says I'm all good. She's got me set up. And we're like, okay. <laughs> and then away we go. <laughs> like, yeah. And
2: if, if it gives you any more of a clear picture as to what's happening now, there are a number of those lenders that used to be, I'd just say, hey, I need a $250,000 first or a $75,000 second. And it was it just assumed that it'd be not a problem. We could go ahead. The problem now is a lot of these lenders are out of money.
0: Hmm. So
2: even though... They want to lend. There's such a huge demand for, for alternative lending um, that a lot of them are frequently out of money or they'll have a maximum as to what they'll lend to one client because they just don't have the funds. So there's a huge um, huge draw to these lenders now, which to me seems somewhat counterproductive to what the government's intention is. Sure. Um, but it is what it is, and and people are still going to need to house themselves until we see... Could, could, you, so much. could you
1: see them cracking down on these in the future because like you said they've potentially threatened the the um the credit unions if they get word that there's this you know these other people aren't you know I guess they don't need to uh, adhere to the OSPI rules, but
2: Yeah, as long as those private lenders are staying in the guidelines of what the Bank Act sets out, you know, you can't charge anything more than a sixty percent right. interest rate, those types of oh, things. Oh, is that all? Yeah, only <laughs> I've yet to see one at sixty, but I, they may be out there. But as long as they're staying within the, the confines of what's legal, I don't know how to do that. How do you stop can. somebody
0: from like a private loan is is a perfectly legal thing. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, That mm-hmm.
2: said, there has been, um, and, and it's interesting to see, if you Google something called, it, you Google shadow lending, this is a term that's been we uh, had derived.
0: That. We had shadow we had flipp- flipping. flipping. Shadow,
2: oh, no, the shadow lending, which oh, maybe it's good and scary sounding for Halloween. <laughs> <That> is, but But <laughs> yeah. uh, this is something that I actually think that term was derived probably from within, I'm not going to use the conspiracy that it's government, but within someone that's trying to actually dampen Um, people's views on what B lending or alternative lending might be. They're calling it shadow lending and actually even throwing in the names of some A lenders that are probably even more rigid with some of their guidelines than the banks are. But First National was one that they got that got thrown in there, and they are a very, very good, reputable A lender. Mm. Harder probably to get a mortgage with them than it is to most of the chartered banks, hmm. and yet this shadow lending term has been attributed to them in a Globe and Mail article. So wait, it was the be- Globe and <laughs> Mail.
0: They love that word shadow. The- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they coined the shadow flipping term too. Right. Yeah, yeah. because it sounds scary. It. I'm scared just you listening can't to. Can't trust. <laughs> Yeah, so
2: it's, it's something that I wouldn't be surprised if there's a bit of an orchestrated um, media campaign going Expose. on that side to try and tamper people's um, desire yeah, to maybe look yeah, at that I, kind of lending. I, I get
3: really frustrated as a consumer because I find that the banks have a lot of control over the message, even what the government is doing. They're so good at manipulating the government to change these rules and say mm-hmm. it's better for the consumer when really it's just better for their b- bottom line. It gives them... A lot of these changes have given the the big banks an easier opportunity to push out the alternative lending options, not even alternative, like other A lenders, but just monoline, which for our listeners who don't understand is just a complicated way of saying it's not one of your big banks you're used to seeing sort of brick and mortar style, right? So that stuff frustrates me, but that's what brings people to a mortgage broker, right? So uh, you're here talking today about this because you're on the broker side. These B lending options don't exist if somebody walks into a big bank. Is that correct?
2: Generally speaking, most of the bank's um, managers, hopefully, have a broker that they work with, and if they can't approve someone, I like to think that they're responsible to at least pass the client on to a broker or someone that can help them access other forms of lending. Um, That used to be the case back way a long time ago, 15 years ago. But now the tellers are selling
1: products, right? Like in some of these banks, they're encouraged, so you're not even going to get to a a bank manager. Well,
3: once they can't approve you, though, under the existing rules, they're going to try to find some way... To, to keep you on the hook and get something out of your. I have heard yeah. from someone I know who works at, at one of the local institutions, and they are telling me about their problems getting people approved and that they've had to refer stuff out. Yeah. You know, Hopefully for they alternative are. Alternative lending. Yeah. Because so a that's lot where they of people
2: will just walk out and assume that there's nothing they can do and they'll be renters forever. When in actuality, there are a lot of cases, especially yeah. if they've got any kind of a decent down payment. If you've got 20% down and even sometimes 15 depending on your credit and your job, there are options for you to become a homeowner and not have to keep paying rent.
3: So a mortgage broker can help sort of navigate things that way and give some different lending options. Sounds like there's some stopgaps, good transitions. So... Changing gears here, completely outside of alternative lending, but I do have a little curiosity, just again about what a mortgage broker can do because Mm -hmm. I find it really interesting stuff that when you look at a file, you can look at it and say, okay, I know that this client's particular situation is a better fit for one lender versus another, and you may choose to put that file at first in front of someone else, and it might be because the client is less less risk adverse than another, Mm -hmm. and maybe there's a better option there as far as the contract goes, or maybe. I'm curious if you have any other examples. I'm wondering about, for example, self-employed status. Like Jeff talked about a server who makes money on a lot of tips. Maybe one lender looks at it better that way. Are those examples of things where you might know that a lender looks at things through a different lens?
2: For sure, yeah. All lenders, because of those parameters that they had to put out and get approved, they're all going to vary in some way, shape, or form, presuming it's a conventional file, I guess I should preface to that. High ratio files, so anything with less than 20% down, that's all CMHC or high ratio lending that that those guidelines are are pretty rigid and that's going to be across the board regardless of the institution but once you're in a conventional situation uh, most of the lenders will have some little differences Um, so the most probably frequent one that comes to mind would be rental so if you have a rental suite um, in your home some of those lenders are just going to take 50 percent of that rental income and add it to your income some are going to do a rental offset where they take say 50 percent of that rental income and take it right off the mortgage payment that you qualify for. So that in itself can make a huge difference. Mm. So if you're on your own and you walk into bank A and they try and qualify you and they say, well, no, sorry, you don't qualify for this. It doesn't mean that you won't qualify for it anywhere. It just means at that institution, but they don't necessarily know that bank B will use a totally different calculation and may make all the difference.
1: Could that hurt someone's credit if it was if they didn't go they walked into a bank and they did that and they got a no and then 4 months passes and now they want to they try at a different bank could that look bad on someone's well, report if it was reported
2: Constantly running your credit will eventually have a negative effect because mm. this it's just a computer and the computer reads someone who's going from bank to bank to bank and having their credit run frequently um, why is someone seeking credit that bad? Yeah. So maybe there's a problem going on. So the system, <laughs> yeah, the system will. That's amazing.
0: <laughs> you want credit. I have credit, but you really want credit. So. You sound desperate. <laughs> yeah. But by
2: being declined for something doesn't affect your credit. No. But numerous queries will. Okay. So again, one benefit to a broker is we run your credit once. It's attached to your file electronically. Even if I eventually have to send that deal to four lenders, it's only been run the one time.
3: Yeah. So, so, what about something like? Sorry, Jerry, did you have a follow? No,
1: no, I was just saying that's good to know that that's still true. I mean, we 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 tell people that, but but uh, yeah, it's good to know it's still happening.
3: So, as uh, agents representing a seller, we fill out a property disclosure statement, and that's the first line disclosure of anything that a seller knows that's wrong with a property. And sometimes I've noticed if even a, ch- a box is checked mistakenly in the wrong area, it can really raise a red flag with the lender. Mm-hmm.
0: And these, these are questions like, "Has it ever been a grow up?" Yeah. Or are there mice in the property? Or are
3: you aware of a past or present underground oil tank for yeah. a house? And, and some sellers just mistakenly sometimes put the checkbox in the wrong spot. I had a seller uh, a
0: couple of days ago who accidentally checked um, no occupancy permit. <laughs> 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 and, and it just, uh, I mean, no big deal. He just was like, well, I don't have that thing. And... We were like, oh, OK, this is the same for new and old. It's just a, uh, but I mean, it, there's a lot of questions on that form. It's easy mm-hmm. to get stuff wrong.
3: Yeah. And so if, if a seller does and it raises a red flag, is my understanding correct here, Steph, that if it goes to some lenders or any lender, some of those things have to be flagged internally, like in a nationwide system that now every lender is going to see that and there's no hiding from it? in
2: a sense? Um, Well, if it was a high-ratio deal and CMHC became aware of something like the one you had had mentioned about a Mm grow-up, once it's sent to CMHC and they're made aware this property was a former grow-up, then yeah, that's going to be on their system. And now they're going to know.
3: So there's Weep. now, there's now no shopping around the, the buyer can't just say the borrowers, Oh, I'll just try another lender and go to them and I won't tell oh, them no. about it. <laughs>
2: yeah, Well, not on a seem, they could try a different insurer because there's also two other insurers. Okay. I don't know if they share that information. I can check and see if they would tell <laughs> me if they do or not. Um, but yeah. And, and also I should also say too, as a broker, I am supposed to let the lender know, Hey, FYI, this was a former grow up. So,
0: and if you want to know more of Steph's thoughts on Grow Ops, we actually talk, we, we gave some of your advice last episode, uh, Steph, when we were talking about legalization. I, I don't know if you remember, I, I texted you some questions. Um, so we read those questions. Mm-hmm. So your, your thoughts on Grow Ops have actually already aired on the I show. I check what I uh, said. Episode 27. 20, 27, last episode. Yeah, I'll yeah. yeah. we'll have to review that. Oh, <laughs> and I forgot to mention, if, if you're a regular listener and you didn't see any ads... For our last episode, uh, this made me really angry, Facebook pulled our ads because they, they said we were advertising illegal, uh, use of illegal substances for our Grow Up episode. And I was so mad because I'm like, "Hey, we're not promoting anything, we're discussing, and it's not even illegal anymore. <laughs>
3: a little catching up with the times to happen hmm. with the Facebook and the Googs and yeah. those guys. Yeah, they think that we're all just we're trying to run drugs now on yeah, our podcast. Yeah, yeah, the real estate show where we sell drugs. <laughs> the summary was, don't grow in your house because it could stigmatize your your property. you so. summarizing Steph's mm-hmm. thoughts
0: for her? Yeah. <laughs> well, Steph's not really sure what she told you, so I'm just letting her know
2: that,
1: you know. And you didn't say off the record or on the record, <laughs> so she had no idea.
3: No.
2: Well, I'm on one of the, on that particular example, but the bigger one with the PDS that, that tends to cause some challenges from my perspective is that section about stratiforms. So even though I know realtors aren't supposed to counsel the the vendors when they're filling that out, a lot of times people either get lazy or they mm-hmm. just think, oh, well, I'll just check yes to everything. So when they check yes, that there was an engineer's report done, for instance, yeah because they don't want to actually find out and they just think oh it's easy or they just cross it out and say you know ask the realtor or ordered when a lender sees yes there's an engineer's report they presume that the owner of that property is going to know the answer to that question and they're going to want a copy of said engineer's report so if it doesn't exist now we're going back and saying oh they were wrong it it doesn't actually exist they check that off in air sometimes that's okay and depending on maybe the lender or the underwriter, sometimes it's not. And I've had incidents where we've now had to extend subject removal, go to the property management company, and actually have them write a letter to say there's not an engineer board on this nightmare! They
1: love putting, th- I'm being sarcastic, they they don't love putting things in, in writing. It's hard to get them it to is. even parking spaces. Yeah. We have a list of parking spaces, but we don't have the original document that says that you have this parking space. So therefore, we will
3: not confirm it yeah and on that vein maybe if somebody's looking for a faster approval or something to that effect and it may not be speed but you know that some lenders will always look at strata documents some by default may just not unless they're made aware of something else so it could be a little quicker because i think you tell me the other day one lender loves looking at documents and will look at them through a fine-tooth comb and if they do you better add three days to your subject removal or a week because oh you're telling me privately managed if you're a self-managed yeah, complex, self-managed just add buildings. a week because there's so much delay with documents. And I think you said the lenders really want to look at the documents. They typically do if it's self-managed.
2: They tend to more. I mean, there's no black and white. But yeah, when a self-managed building comes up, um, they'll scrutinize it a little bit more.
3: Yeah. So the things you know when you're on the inside like stuff, mm-hmm. right? So I, I like learning this stuff and hopefully trying to make the files for you easier. So the clients go through in a smooth process. So that's helpful
0: for me. So... Now that you've answered our questions, maybe you can answer some more questions.
3: Check out the big brain on bread!
0: How's it working out for you? What? Being clever?
3: Who knows where thoughts come from? They just appear. You're listening to Multiple Offers, a real estate show.
0: Okay, so uh, we put out that you were coming on the show again, and we put out a call to questions. Um, I have a question uh, from Duke, and Duke says that he is uh, looking to end his mortgage early and looking at the, the penalty. And he feels like he's being charged too much, but he's not really sure how to figure that out. What's Are there any sort of standards he should be thinking about? Or how... Is it just too late for Duke uh, he is yeah, this something Duke. he should have been look, looking at when he when he got the mortgage originally? How do you judge what's a fair and and what's unfair as far as a mortgage penalty goes?
2: Well, I have personal thoughts on that for sure. Um, I think unfortunately it's something that should probably be discussed at the beginning yeah and it isn't always um, because for,
3: everybody's uh, excited to get into a mortgage. So, Not out of So it. that's a good well, <laughs>
2: place
0: to start. So this is something, just like the other terms of your mortgage, this is something that gets negotiated. Is this correct? No. So ev- no.
2: But every lender has their own way of calculating. So every mortgage contract has the same verbiage about penalties. It's going to be three months interest mm-hmm. or the interest rate differential, whichever is greater. So what differs in that is how that interest rate differential is calculated
0: oh sneaky so <laughs> yeah if you
2: have a lender and, and going back to what we were talking about about those posted rates there's a reason banks have posted rates
0: are they using their posted rates to figure out? they are yes. Sneak so where they get yeah. you they're not using the rate you have
2: well they are in a sense so what they're doing is without getting too complicated yeah um, and this is why we're it's dumb. careful <laughs> 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 i'll dumb it down for you jeff um This is why you have to be really careful. When you're going with to a lender that has posted rates, every time you're negotiating your rate down, you're actually negotiating a higher penalty if you pay it out. Because they're saying... What? The spread between the posted rate and the rate you get. Yeah. They look at that difference and they will apply that same difference to calculate your interest rate differential penalty. So if you get a mortgage at 4% and posted rate was 55 you've got a 1.5% different, or a discount. It's,
3: it's not, oh. Right, the, the interest rate hasn't even changed in the marketplace, and you're already behind one and a half points. Huh, yeah. a light so bulb So then
2: when you're on. going to pay off your mortgage, they're yeah. going to say, okay, you've got, say, three years left out of your five-year term. Our three-year posted rate is 4.5%. But remember, we gave you a discount of 1.5% off of that. So that's 3%. So now your interest rate differential is the difference between your rate that you got and that 3%. Whereas if you go to a lender that does not have posted rates, they're going to do what most of us would assume is the regular calculation. They'll look at the rate that you got on your contract. Mm-hmm. They'll compare that to a new three-year term, if the three years is what you have. Comparing and that's the that the difference. difference.
0: See, that that to me is the instinctive way. In my head, when I hear mm-hmm. it's the differential, my brain says that's how it should be calculated. Now, all all the major banks post rates, don't they? They do. Okay. We'll just leave that at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: So that's why when you're looking at 0.10 or 0.15 of 1% of yeah. an interest rate, on the front page of that very very long mortgage contract if you're only paying attention to that one number which is what we as a consumer society have been taught to do that may not be the smartest move but that's what we've been taught
3: okay good question thanks duke thanks Thanks, Duke. duke
2: that was a good question and actually one piece of advice for duke i don't know which lender he's with but every lender has prepayment options so if he has the ability to use some of that to reduce his balance, mm. so if it's 10% or 20%, reduce your balance, and now you're calculating the penalty on a lesser balance, and that'll make a little bit of a difference. The only uh, caveat is some lenders also have something they've thrown in there for this exact purpose, that you can only take advantage of that on your anniversary date of the mortgage. So, But most lenders, you should be able to reduce it.
0: Okay, well, thank you very much, Steph, for answering our questions. Uh, now we're going to get into a little little Halloween scary story.
3: It's story time with Jer.
0: Great story. Compelling and rich. It's not always my story? No, it's not always your story. I what am. if Matt has an awesome story to tell? Well, he can tell it to me or write it down and I will <laughs> paraphrase. This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. So it's Halloween... And we totally put Steph on the spot. Steph, we, you're going to tell us a horror story? Or a spooky story? Oh, gosh, a
2: horror story. Um, well, <laughs> no pressure. Think. Yeah. <laughs> horror dun, story dun, for dun. clients. Well, there was one this past summer that was pretty horrible for the clients. Um, so as we all know, we've seen a little slight downturn in the market. Things aren't selling the day they're listed. Is that why they're not selling? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We all knew it was going to happen, but... Uh, unfortunately, the timing of it was what nobody knew. And these clients got caught in that. So they wrote an offer on a house. Um, of course, multiple offers. They had to do what they could to try and, and make sure theirs was the top of the pile. And, and This able- is not any of our clients. None of your clients. To- <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, none of your <laughs> clients. Uh, they were successful in their bid, but they did not have a subject to sale clause. So they did have a subject to finance, which we worked through. But they still removed subjects knowing.
0: And they hadn't sold their house. They had
2: not sold their house. But they had lots of time. Yeah, they had four months to sell. So they were doing some things to the property. They actually had a renter in the property. So they, you know, were trying to get the renter to clean up as best they could before showings. Waited and waited and waited. Finally listed the property as the market was starting to turn. So, of course, they became more and more nervous. This is a scary story. I know. I hate this story. (laughs) (laughs) They became more and more nervous as the summer went on. They were supposed to complete their purchase in late August, early September, and they were just not successful. And actually, I should preface, they did get an offer early on um, that they did not take. No! It's a tragedy. (laughs) And we're not able to complete on their purchase. So at the last minute, we kind of rushed, and we were able to secure them private financing. Um, so that's the guy in the van? That's the guy in the van. Not Sharon. Did he but, have a hook hand? Yeah. I, like, but that's we all did the story die. needs is yeah. a guy with
0: a hook hand. And a patch. <laughs> uh,
2: we we secured an intra alia mortgage for them, which is one large mortgage over both properties. So the new property they were going to purchase and the current property. But it was going to be quite expensive for them. It was going to cost them about twenty thousand dollars in fees alone. Oh, uh, an open mortgage, interest-only payments. But it would have got them to complete. And how how still does have that time work? Can sell? they still
0: sell their property, and then it transfers over onto the?
2: Once they sell the current property, then it's that portion's paid off, and then we would have been able to oh. put them into an A mortgage on the new purchase. But uh, they decided not to go ahead with that. They thought it was too risky for them. And they just walked away and lost their thirty thousand dollar deposit. Fortunately, the vendor did not sue them for more.
0: The vendor just said, "Like, did they they privately agree we're going to keep the deposit?
2: deposit. You're not going to sue us." They did.
0: Yeah.
3: Ooh. Well, at least that was a clean escape. That could have gone much worse. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if the market dropped their value sixty thousand dollars, there's there's a case there. There's there's there's. Well,
2: to my understanding, the vendor did sell for less than what their contract was. But at that point, I think the the vendor was was actually moving out of town, like somewhere up north of the province. Um, and at that point, they just wanted, I think, to be done with it. They said, "Fine, we'll keep your thirty grand and move on." So for for my buyers, they were actually fortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was not, one of those not things, fortunate,
0: but it, given the circumstances, that's about as good as it could have in the grand scheme of things. Out. Yeah, it yeah. could have been worse. Yeah,
2: but Ooh. unfortunately, you know, even on the day of subject removal, which you know is my job to make sure they understand. I did email them and say you understand you still have to sell your property before you can complete cuz you need that money for your down payment. So, you know, they it wasn't that they weren't aware of what yeah. the risks were. They were caught in a in a in a changing market and unfortunately they got Well, and, and the over the last 2
0: years, I think a lot of buyers were mentally trained that the selling part is going to be the easy part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The buying was the hard part. I'm going to have to write on like maybe 10 off places before I get it. That's the really
3: You'd hard. Think the realtor
1: would be like, that's, this is like, things are changing. Or well, Your but, place isn't but as good saying as you-
3: this was before the summer. Th- those warning signs weren't there yet. Yeah. And they got an offer. I know. But
1: like, give me, four. we got four months. We'll get it. Like, Did we they take a repairs? long time to get
3: it on the market?
2: They did take a while. Yeah. And and I do know the realtor is very experienced and I also know these clients had purchased before. These clients knew um exactly what they were getting into when they wrote their offer. Yeah. They knew and chose not to put a subject to sale because they had been watching the market. They had written numerous offers, I think, up yeah. to this point and, and they realized to win. they assumed that their sale would go the same as all these purchases they were trying to do and, and weren't yeah. successful. So I don't think it was that they were ignorant to it. I think it was literally just a matter of circumstance. Unless
1: you have a backup plan, though, don't make assumptions like that. Like you could own two houses, especially if you're going to delay it by months. We'll keep working on our house. What's the worst? Like it's going to change. Yeah.
3: That's a spooky Halloween
1: story. Do you have parents or, you know, a couch (laughs) full of money somewhere that, because owning two houses could be very real. Mm -hmm. Do you have the means to own two houses, which it sounds like they just barely did
2: and that was my question when we were in that phase of no subjects when when clients were writing offers with no subjects when they would call me to ask if they could which was always funny (laughs) calling the person that's getting you financing to tell you you don't need financing my answer was always the same unless you have an ability to buy that property cash yeah no
0: there were a lot of of mortgage brokers during that time who were saying yes to people Mm -hmm. um like, I, I definitely had clients, unless the clients were lying to me, because I'd ask. I'm like, we're writing subject-free. Are you really subject-free? And all the time, they'd be like, yeah, I'm totally good to go, or blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, and then the offer gets accepted, and we need to get a bank appraisal, and we need to get this and that, yeah. <laughs> and we need to get it. Yeah. It, uh, I'm a glad lot we're those, out of that phase. Yeah. Me too. I'm really glad that's over.
2: A lot of them might not have been broker clients, too. Uh, so I would... I think most brokers were pretty cautious because our license is on the line, right if we tell a client that can go in subject free and something happens, yeah. I'm personally I can be liable for that, whereas you know good luck suing the bank
1: right
0: <laughs> yeah. Sarah, my
1: favorite teller, said I could buy a yeah. <laughs> buy a house for six hundred grand you're right? really on the tellers <laughs> today <laughs> well, there was all that shadow teller stuff
3: all that was going on last all, year. all the shadow telling <laughs> <laughs> I heard <laughs> it a little bit. I learned many new things today. Thank you, Stephanie.
1: Thanks, Steph.
2: Thanks for having me. Yeah,
3: thank you very much, Steph. We'll probably invite you back again sometime soon.
2: I'd happily return
1: next time. Bach meets maybe.
2: <laughs> yeah, we'll start that. We'll get that trend going for you.
1: When's your next? Like, there's got to be. Do um, you guys have like trade shows for mortgage folk people? We do. Okay, maybe you can next time at the make cocktail hour or something. You can make just make some be like you, your Bach was doing, and then people some they might just nod, be like, "Yeah, I know Bach." Then uh, you just get it started there, I think.
2: We'll start a campaign, Jeremy.
0: Okay. Okay, well, thank you very much for being on the show, Steph. If people want to reach Steph, we'll put it in the show notes, but they can find her at asksteph.ca. Again, uh, thank you very much, Stephanie Barrett. If people want to get a hold of Matt or Jeremy, they are at thenewwestguys.com. And if you want to reach me, Jeff McLennan, I am at realestatenewwest.com. If you guys have been enjoying this, please think about leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. And please come back next week. I am tired of being outnumbered by the New West guys. I'm going to bring some backup. Whoa! (laughs)
3: I just have to say again, that was really great having Steph on the show. I learned some new yeah. things. Yeah, like shadow mortgages. <laughs> <laughs> shadow lending. Steph. Shadow lending. If you're going to call them shadow mortgages, they're associated with Mortgage Alliance. I assume <laughs> that you, you are, are <laughs> being a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I want to tell you guys something about what's going on at home that's been super exciting for our family. Um, you guys you're know- having a baby. Definitely not <laughs> having a baby. Science would say that's impossible at this point. Yeah, sometimes it happens.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Doctor Pollock might have something to say about that, but um, but you know that both of my kids are really short. I um, do know that, and one of one of them, we found out it was a essentially a complete deficiency on growth hormones. So, so we've been supplementing growth hormone for seven months now. And the growth is, like, off the charts. Cool. It's She's, like, amazing. six feet tall now. <laughs> <laughs> She's a little aggro. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and her voice got so much deeper. It's not steroids. <laughs> it's growth hormone. <laughs> you got your 90s drugs mixed up, guys. So um, this is Cameron. Yeah and she was was she on the growth percentile for her
3: age before you started or was she off the chart she was below the 95% if there was a line for zero she would have been below that and do you know where she is now she's she's almost into the zone of like the 95 or 5 percentile i'm, I'm in the am ba- in the i'm backwards 5th percentile she's cl- closing in on it Oh, that's awesome, So, then. But more important than where she fits on the chart is that the amount she has grown in the last seven months is faster than the, the, the chart says you can grow. Okay. <laughs> then I was really worried, because we went for a follow-up appointment with a specialist at Children's, and they, they check your growth and all the rest of it, and I was worried they are going to like dial back her treatment because they thought she was growing too fast. So... Is she going to be tall? She might. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's lost years right. of growth potential, so it's, it's a little crazy. But they say that certainly she has the potential to be tall because I am. You are a very tall man. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So it's happening right now. Her body's like, oh my gosh,
0: growth hormone, I'll take it. <laughs> which which New West guy is taller? Jeremy's taller. Can yeah. fatter. <laughs>
1: and a little so, hairier you're you're taller both ways <laughs> yes <Yeah. laughs> it's um shoot we're gonna have to update the uh, graphics that changes too much um and it's been pretty amazing back to the little one no like adverse effects like joints or Nothing. Joint pain. no or... growing
3: pains no complaints no mood changes she's just getting taller huh. She eating more yeah, she's eating more, she sleeps a little more, obviously like the body's just eating it all up, right? Chugging 4 liter jugs of milk. Yeah. That's fantastic. And, and it's like it's not it's not the easiest thing to do. It's a it's an insulin type injection every night. Yeah. Right? So you have to subject yourself to that. She shows she's... up
1: at the office once a week in
3: styrofoam <laughs> cooler once a month. So once I'm month. I'm the shortest person in my family.
0: Where can I get these <laughs> insulin injections? There's a guy <laughs> down by Columbia station. In a van.
3: I, I will mention that uh, your, your medical policy will get even more complicated if you want to try to add growth hormone to it. I figure I can just <laughs> add it to the cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's one of those ones that they get really particular if you qualify. Yeah. like We had to go all through all sorts of tests to prove... That right. This was medically necessary This isn't just, "Oh, I want a taller kid." Yeah, yeah, medically
0: yeah. she's not the height she's supposed. her, body's her meant body her body doesn't
3: be. produce the hormones, right. so there is a medical deficiency. You can't just come in and say, "Hey, my kid's short. I <laughs> wish I was a little bit taller <laughs> and back in our day, you would just start them in school later. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Fix the percentile
3: issue. Yeah, they didn't check birth certificates. <laughs> so you just showed up and be like, this is my kid. His name is David, and yeah, he's, he's short he's so five. Yeah, yeah don't high. worry about it. <laughs> Date of birth, I'll just make it up. Yeah. I don't know. What's what's that kid's birth? <laughs> <laughs> so the, here's the weird twist, though, is now that they've been monitoring we've done the follow-ups, growth or hormone production is clearly a, a bit of a deficiency within her body. Mm-hmm. So they're finding that her thyroid is a little off now, and they say that's not unusual with growth hormone problems. So her thyroid is a little slow, hypothyroid, which can make you a little bit sad yeah. and a little bit low energy. Now, you've all met Cameron. The low energy part probably isn't going to be a problem. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're going to notice her getting lethargic, just maybe staying within the walls now instead of bouncing off of them. Yeah. And then the, um, the emotional state, we'll have to see how that goes. Maybe she'll turn into a really sad collegiate volleyball player. Oh.
0: Well, and you, you have to be very... On top of that one, um, uh, my wife Rachel has uh, uh, thyroid stuff sometimes, and when you get sad from it, it creeps up very, very gradually. Like it's kind of one of those things. Like you know the the analogy about how do you boil a frog? You don't throw them in hot water. You put them in the in the pot first, and then you slowly turn the heat up with
1: a couple of bay leaves, sure, Some spices, yeah. Yeah. salt, pepper. But
0: but that's how it works. Like it's not like one day you're sad you get just a little bit sadder each day. So you kind of really got yeah, so to watch. Yeah, so they've been monitoring yeah. and checking yeah. her
3: levels and seeing if it's like a... Yeah. Right now, it's a really, really minor change. So yeah. let's just see if they've leveled off and everything's cool. They're, yeah. Otherwise, we supplement. And I mean, clearly, her body just has a hormone production yeah. deficiency. And, so they just supplement the hormones and try to make the right cocktail.
0: And recognizing it is all it takes. Because like whenever Rachel gets out of whack, they just adjust the levels on her stuff that she takes, yeah.
3: whatever it is, and then and then boom. It's just a matter of seeing it, right? You just have to catch it. Exactly, and yeah. So, unfortunately, you start one drug, then you monitor yeah. and you find out where you need to add something else to change this. And it's like, I'm happy. Now I'm too happy. Now I'm sad. Yeah. Now I'm yeah. tall. Now I'm short. Now I'm sad. Uh, yeah. you know, but Science is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> generally, really happy with the outcome, obviously. Really good for her. It was yeah. starting to, to weigh on her a little bit. So, being a little bit taller now is awesome. Hmm. And if uh, well, she has any
1: good.
0: extra, maybe
1: Jeff can have some.
3: I'm a perfectly acceptable height just because you two are
0: giants.